0: We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube, you ate like the tube, you raise your children like the tube, you even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off! Right in the middle of a sentence I'm speaking to you now! Turn them off!
1: Thanks again for uh, joining us for the uh, General Knowledge Podcast. And this is, of course, our bonus content shows purely for the lovely people who support what we do here at Real News Australia and the General Knowledge Podcast. So this one's going out to you guys only, of course. Uh, this would be, like I said, bonus show number 10. We just recorded part two of the Port Arthur Massacre last week, and we've got part three coming up hopefully next week as well. So stay tuned for that one, folks. But for this one, we're going to tackle uh, a few topics that are, I guess, a bit more contemporary. Heading over to WA, they've got their version of the uh, lockdowns happening right now. So we'll we'll be touching on that one with a guest who is actually in Perth at the moment. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about the COVID madness that goes right alongside with that and all the hypocritical, contradictory crap that comes out of the news and the pure propaganda. And uh, Pete is uh, going to join us to, to help talk about that one as well. But yeah, like I said, the, our very first guest uh, we've got coming on is also James James Pierce, uh, James runs an ISP over there in, in WA. So he's got uh, his finger on the pulse when it comes to things like, uh, I guess, any, all things internet in a sense. Uh, what goes along with uh, with all that sort of stuff. Because Ethan Nash, you guys all know who Ethan is. Very Obviously like one of the co-hosts of the show. Yeah. Yep. So he put out an article just recently, boys, on January 28th uh titled what your isp knows and how to stop it tracking you and um i thought well i need i had a good read of that um to me it kind of made sense but i wanted to get someone else's take on that and i wanted someone who who knows who's in the industry and um i remember talking to you james geez would have been maybe a year ago i think we kind of connected
2: before yep. the COVID madness. You're right. Uh, yeah, you're right. It all got shelved because uh, it's been a crazy year, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: that's right. We were going to connect and talk about this stuff. Yeah, you're right. Probably 14 months ago or something. Um, yeah, and then obviously the COVID crap hit, so we couldn't do it. But here we are now. We're Now's the, what a great time to connect with you because, again, we're not only going to talk about the COVID stuff because it's happening right now where you are in, the, in WA. But I wanted to tackle... Um, this first, if that's all right with you, man. Um, and feel free, Pete, to chime in with any questions um, or any comments you might have with this as well. Um, I'll quickly put a link in our Skype chat now so you can actually see it in case you wanted to have that article up fresh for you. Um, and then you can have a read alongside. It's not terribly long. Um, there we go, it's in the in the chat now for you blokes. But anyway, all right, so, so Ethan put this one up here. So the following explores the scope of information shared with and logged by internet uh, providers why your activity is being tracked and solutions that can be used to avoid personal monitoring now i guess everyone has a the common knowledge that everything we do online we leave a digital fingerprint would that be your fair assumption james
2: uh yes in some form absolutely no, yeah. no doubt
1: yeah okay and obviously that information does not disappear it sits Somewhere on someone's server, somewhere, um, and it's probably passed along or you know copy and pasted into someone else's server or government entities or who knows what. But it doesn't just disappear, does it? It's, it always exists. Seems to always exist somewhere online. This information. Uh,
2: yeah. Yes. Yeah, so well, it depends on who we're talking about, obviously, and the different parties involved. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the problems with uh, most of that uh, sort of data that get, that does track you, we call it uh, metadata. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, information about the user, um, yeah. and obviously it largely depends on the internet service provider or, or the website host or the operator of the website as to how long they keep that data and what they do with it. Um, and it can be virtually impossible to say, you know, I mean, every time you click on a website, you're, you're agreeing really to, to be tracked in some form. Um, so yeah, and they can keep that, keep, keep that information.
1: Is that why we every almost... Well, most websites we go to, we see the, the cookies warning pop up. Like, that's a new thing. You know, I, I don't remember that coming up, you know, years ago when I was first getting on the net, and even maybe 10 years after that. You know, it seems to be that's a relatively, relatively new thing that most websites are having to abide by is is letting people know yeah. that they have to accept these cookies on their device. Yeah,
2: that's right. I don't know if any people really know what they are or what they do. It's just, it's just starting to get a bit annoying having to click OK every time. But, mm. uh, you yeah, know, it, it's a. Uh, I, I, look, I'm not an expert on that because we don't. It's not an Australian law. Uh, I believe it's something to do with uh, what the, the Europe has um, implemented, mm-hmm. um, and obviously it's, it's a big part of the world. So I think a lot of the uh, websites, um, obviously international websites, global websites, have incorporated that uh, requirement. I haven't seen it on Australian websites yet. I don't don't think we have that that, that law. But really, that's just about acknowledging the fact that yeah, when you um, log into a site or you just view a site, um, you're getting. Uh, a cookie assigned to your device or your browser and um, yeah what you do on the site therefore can sort of uh, it, it, it basically links you uh, not just to that site but also to other sites as well that are able to pick up on that tracking cookie um, and obviously it's a privacy issue so they're asking for your consent
1: Mm, okay, so they, they kind of have to, don't they? Like, and, and if you say no or if you decline, um, <laughs> well, you you can't view well, that you website. Case, yeah. <laughs> so,
2: so it was already happening before. That made it uh, a little bit more um, convert, if you like, which is which is a good thing, I suppose. Um, uh, more people are better aware of it, but yeah, look, it's not yeah. like you've got a choice.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I'll just take take us uh, the you folks through and the listeners, of course, with just a little bit of what Ethan's written here. Um, So like it or not, your internet service provider knows an awful lot about you, your browsing habits, the digital programs you use, and any internet connected devices in your home or office. Um, As as we go after a few paragraphs, I'll ask you to, I guess, give us your opinion on on those statements as well too, James, but I'll keep going. Uh, Most people don't realize the full extent of their ISP's data collection, or if they do, prefer to ignore its data hungry nature. From your email inbox to search queries if your traffic is unencrypted, your ISP is, unfortunately, an all-seeing, all-knowing entity. It manages all your internet traffic and can watch everything you do online. Uh, truth to that statement, James?
2: Uh, look, it's potentially true, but it's probably not happening in reality in Australia with uh, most ISPs in terms of um, you know the numbers of ISPs that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you can take each one of those, uh, a, a, bit, a bit at a time. Um, yeah, we can talk a little bit a little about the data retention laws. I mean, there's a bit of a disparity between what ISPs are supposed to be doing and what they might actually be doing. Um, uh, so, you think they're so w-
1: willingly was, um, handing over information or willingly collecting information that they don't necessarily need to collect, perhaps, or
2: vice versa? Yeah, oh, well, we know we know that's happening because. Yeah. Uh, there was an article, uh, I forget which paper it was in, but that, that, that the authorities are receiving more information from the ISPs than they're actually supposed to be collecting. Uh, and the biggest example of that is uh, they're not supposed to be collecting uh, web browser history. So um, URLs and IP addresses that you connect to uh, as, as a website uh, is not supposed to be in the list of information that, the, um, that, that, that they have to collect mandatorily. Uh, the thing is, obviously, when you agree to uh, buy a service from a service provider, there's terms and conditions um, or whatever they are. So you may you may have agreed to have all kinds of data captured, but in terms of the government requirements, um, they're not actually they don't actually have to capture uh, you know the, the URL data and your browsing history. So some may be doing it for their own purposes, uh, support reasons, or they could even be selling uh, that history uh, that history onto the market. It depends on what you agreed to in your contract
0: hmm
1: interesting okay good reason to go over the contract i guess um (laughs) okay so the all-seeing eye encrypting your traffic is one way to skirt the spying, but even then spikes in your traffic patterns can still indicate to your isp what you're doing uh we'll cover your encryption options more in more detail a little bit later but first here's what your isp can see what you're browsing uh when you're browsing unprotected so I'll get you to confirm if these are correct and true as well to the listeners. Uh, HTTP website activity, if you if you visit unencrypted sites that use HTTP, not the newer HTTPS, uh, your ISP will know that you have visited that site, can see your username and password if you log in or have an account on the site, and any payment details if you buy anything on that site. Note that your ISP uh, will still know when you visit the HTTPS sites, but can't see what you're doing when you're on that site. Is that true?
2: Uh, so well, if, it's technically po- it's technically possible that ISPs could be tracking uh, like the HTTP browser um, activity. Yeah. Um. But but generally, that's it's not a it's not a standard practice that I've seen. Yeah. Um. However, some of the big ISPs uh, may have systems to do that. Um, so I, I, I would at- say that
1: Optus and. Uh, Telstra, you know, the big mobs, the real the big two would yeah. be doing that for sure in my opinion yeah, because that, mean, you know, that's part of government spying it right there.
2: <laughs> yeah, correct. And that was what that I was going to suggest is that, you know, choosing your ISP is probably one of the biggest things you can do uh, to improve your overall uh, uh, privacy uh, and staying away from the, the major companies is obviously, you know, like with any big tech company, uh, they're, they're going to be the ones that um, are more likely to be doing this sort of stuff to be benefiting from it. Um, have the most to lose and, and obviously if they're not compliant and, and obviously if they want to uh, you know, comply with the government regulations in many respects, uh, you know, government and, and big tech are very much intertwined. So mm. if you're trying to stay away from data collection, uh, staying away from the bigger ISPs is definitely a way to go.
1: Okay. Um... So emails is another thing I think is probably quite important that people want to know about. If your email provider, which most people's emails providers are with their ISP, they obviously have email systems in, involved. Um, yeah, you know, not everyone uses Outlook and Gmail, and I mean most of us, most people have those accounts, I guess. But I guess when you sign up with an ISP, you often get their version of their email client. Um, so you're, if your email provider doesn't have the transport layer security, the TLS encryption, your emails and the contents are open for your ISP to view. If you use an ISP that also provides the email client you use, you should know that your ISP has full access to your email account. Interesting, um, well I'm, I'm not sure what he's, where he's sourced that information from, but is there any truth to that, with um, perhaps maybe uh, with the big ones, not necessarily yourself, I guess, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah, no, look,
2: that's a good one. Email is actually quite an insecure uh, platform and mode of transmission. Uh, the, the reason is is because it can be uh, quite easily intercepted at any any point. Mm. Um, TLS is it, is it like it's, like it says there it's a transport layer security encryption protocol. So that is in effect when you, when you send an email basically when your internet service provider sends that uh, transmission to uh, like the destination server, mm-hmm. um, it gets encrypted. So I mean servers in between that may not be able to easily uh, decrypt it or, or intercept it. however, um, at any point along the way that that message travels, um, there's no, there's not necessarily any encryption on on the disc or the server itself. So you know if you're running uh, a mail server at any anywhere, and and obviously yeah, uh, and and obviously your ISP has access to not not just the, the the metadata about the email, but potentially the email itself.
1: Mm, right. Okay. Good to know. Um, and I know, and we'll probably mention some of them later, I guess. But I know there's there's I guess think fully encrypted email servers like Proton Mail and all that sort of stuff. I've heard are pretty good with that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, I mean Proton Mail. We got to remember is that um, it's only encrypted when it's on the disk and within its own network. So if you're using Proton Mail to say send me an email here in Australia, yep. um, when it gets to me, it's 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 no longer encrypted. So, uh, yeah, and, and there's no guarantee that in the process of getting to me, it, it didn't land or go through a number of servers that um, that did pick up on, on the contents. So,
1: mm, So, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind can, of only one-way encryption then, isn't it? Like it's encrypted leaving theirs or within their infrastructure, but
2: when it's well, at, well, out well, of it, the... the advantage of like ProtonMail is, is if you wanted a secure repository for your email, that was fairly hack-proof. Um, Proton Mail might be a good one because you know they're storing everything on disk, and the key is only applied to that data when you log in. Uh, so uh, it, it, it just gives you security that from you know their their platform is not necessarily open to to vulnerability. Um, but in terms of actually as a communication mechanism, it's no worse or better than other email services.
0: Mm.
1: Okay, well that's good to know. Um...
2: With that said, you can encrypt emails. There are protocols for that. Um, but they're not widely used mainly because um, you know uh, everybody has to agree to share an encryption key and things like that. So,
1: Right. Is that something that anyone can do themselves, or is that sort of, I guess, not just... Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Most email clients do support um, email encryption, and content encryption So, actually encrypts the content of the email. Okay. Um, obviously, you can't encrypt the, the certain headers because it needs to know where to send the email, so they're still going to know who, who you are what server it came from, where it's going to, but like the content of that email, would would stay encrypted and the only one that could decrypt that was would be the recipient.
1: Yeah. Okay, all right, awesome. Um, uh, I'll skip the Bitcoin part there, but uh, network activity, if you're anything like most people these days, you use several internet connected devices uh, known as the internet of things. Of course, that's going to be a massive term that everyone will know in the coming five years, I reckon, internet of things. Smart devices include app controlled thermostats, voice activated assistants like Alexa and Siri and even your smart fridge. Your ISP knows which smart devices you own because each is connected to the same home network. I know that's true because on my network, I can see it tells me how many devices are connected (laughs) to my router, so to speak, which I guess my ISP would know well, to a degree, what they're. Uh, n- n-
2: normally, the ISP only really has access to the edge device, which is usually your router. So, for example, uh, with our clients, I wouldn't really be able to see what's internal to their network, really, unless I have. Uh, I mean, it- it's technically possible I could put software on your router to see that and gather that information. Uh, which is another reason why, if you do sign up with an internet service, it's a good idea to go and buy a router from the shop that's not supplied by your provider. Oh,
0: nice. um, Okay.
2: Then you can be uh, sure that um, it, it's, it, it's you know obviously this is a, a third-party uh, piece of equipment, and, and you you know you don't know what your ISP's uh, done to the equipment they supply. So um, just just yeah
1: yeah something to be yeah interesting okay all right so why your isp tracks your activity at this point you might be wondering justifiably why an internet service provider tracks all of this activity and information there are a number of reasons including third-party sales isps sell advertising space to third-party companies and have been doing so for years this doesn't mean your isp is compiling vast excel spreadsheets about each user but it does mean that your online activity is a commodity used by ISP for financial gain in much the same way that Facebook and Google use your activity that's interesting <laughs> I mean is that something that someone like your your company perhaps yeah
2: look that, that obviously it's not something we do because uh, there wouldn't be enough revenue in it um, but for us but uh, it probably does happen it's probably something more that happens over in the US and things like that with the mega mega providers yeah like the big AOLs um, you, and you, stuff yeah the AOL I mean in the early days of subscri- subscribers that was, that was big revenue for them for sure especially with the dial-up software and things like that they used um, I, I imagine some of that sort of stuff's not as profitable it used to be I mean a lot of the the marketing and and that sort of stuff. I mean, that's kind of transitioned onto big tech now, Facebook, Google, and all the tracking. So um, I'd be surprised if um, there was as much coin in that for the ISPs, but yeah, it's it's possible.
1: Mm, Okay. Uh, The next one, censorship. Your ISP likely plays an active role in ensuring government censorship mandates are followed. This information can also be given to the authorities if certain criteria are met. In Australia, mandatory data retention powers mean your browsing history is provided to the police if you're under investigation. Um, I remember hearing something about that years ago. So that um, all they've got to do, if they're under it says an investigation active, they can make a request to the ISP, and that request, uh, well, from what I understood, was ha- lawfully had to be met to the best of the ISP's ability. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So basically, in 2015, they came to the industry and they said, "Look, basically, uh, we're not happy with uh, the the data you're collecting. It's too inconsistent." Um, and, and look, it's it's not all bad because obviously if they're trying to track a paedophile or something like that, um, they they need to be able to uh, verify the identity of the of the user of the yeah, remote server sure. or something yeah. like that. So I mean, obviously there's some it's not all it's not all evil, but. Um, Basically what was happening is they were going to the industry and saying, can you give us data on this? And then they'd have like three days of logs or maybe a week worth of logs or whatever the ISP needed really to handle um, its own support requirements. So what they've done is they've come in and said, look, you guys have got to keep this sort of data that you're probably already keeping, but we want you to keep it for two years. Um, and it's now mandatory and you can get like an anywhere from a $10,000 to a $10 million fine if you don't comply. So... Um, Basically, that sees that all the ISPs in Australia and all the telecommunications company have to keep a records of this metadata, which is really about um, anything that you do, uh, like if you make a telephone call, if you send a text message, um, if you send an email, um, and when you log on to the internet and when you log off, uh, that information is basically tracked and um, the metadata is recorded. So, not copies of the emails and things like that. Not Copies of the browser, uh, like that browser history, the URL—they're not mm-hmm. supposed to be keeping that under the laws, but obviously we know that some of them are. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, they can basically come and and ask for it. All that has to be is an official officer mm-hmm. in, inside a, um, one of the organisations that are in the legislation, so like the federal federal police or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they don't need a warrant to access this information, which is new, um, because prior to that, I'm, I'm pretty sure that under the Telecommunications Act, they did need a warrant. Um, so it's pretty easy to get access to the data. That's basically what they've done. They've made it consistent and they've made it easy, uh, really easy, mm.
1: um, yeah. Okay, um, well let's moving on a little bit now here. So this is towards the end of the article now. So uh, next heading he's got is Stop Your ISP Tracking You. Now, he says if you don't want your ISP to have so much personal information, there are some steps you can take. Here are your top strategies. Use a reputable VPN. So a virt- virtual private network is what a VPN is. If the per- uh, Using a VPN is the perfect way to encrypt your traffic. We say reputable here because free VPNs are notorious for selling your information to third-party companies. Use a well-known paid service for the best protection. Uh, and I'll just read them all before we sort of go through what, what you would suggest or what you think works or not too, James, by the way. So I'll keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, switch to a private email client. You're not limited to Gmail or Outlook. Services such as Proton ProtonMail uh, offer far more privacy with end-to-end encryption, but I think we covered that. that that's actually not the case though, uh, anyway.
2: Uh, well, yeah, it depends on what you mean by end-to-end. <laughs> so, yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, use... I mean,
1: they're better than nothing. Yeah, right, true. Use uh, HTTPS everywhere. This extension service ensures that each site you visit has HTTPS protection. Um, so that's the Hypertext Transfer Protocol secured. That's I'm pretty sure that is. Um, ditch Google. It's the world's most popular browser, but it also is a data collection nightmare. Ensure <laughs> you are yeah. protecting your personal information while exploring the web. You never know who might be watching. So that's pretty much the end of the article there. And he's got a suggestion to uh, get on board with ExpressVPN as one of the VPNs. I am with a VPN. I'm with uh, Shark VPN. Uh, yeah. Surfshark, I should say. Um, yeah. yeah, did some shopping around. He yeah. got on board with them in December last year, but so far I'm pretty happy with it. Um, yeah. yeah, so
2: is that sort Did of. You use, uh, that, do you use that all the time when you're. Uh, do you have it on all the time? Or yeah, you when, turn it on when you're accessing um, uh, <laughs> Zero Hedge
1: or something like that. <laughs> no, when, uh, as soon as my computer returns on, it, it comes on automatically. so Okay. Yeah. But, well, so well. It, it's on okay. right now as well. So, yeah. Um, sure. So, yeah, I've started using that basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah so is that is that true so yeah you, you do would you recommend a vpn is a vpn the yeah, one of the yeah, good solutions look,
2: look, it, it depends on what you're trying to achieve right at the end of the day like so um just doing all this stuff by default without actually knowing uh, what what you want to achieve and, and what the, the solutions do isn't that helpful when I guess that's one of the difficulties with these things because if you're not um, like uh, if you don't understand the technology, then obviously it's hard to make good decisions, which is obviously what the show's about. But like in terms of a VPN, uh, really what you're doing with a VPN is you're pushing uh, your uh, trust relationship away from the ISP onto the VPN provider. So uh, obviously something like a VPN is going to uh, obscure. Particularly things like your uh, your browsing history uh, from the ISP in terms of like the mandatory data retention laws that, that are applicable in in Australia. Um, however, for example, the, the VPN provider itself is probably classified as an ISP in other countries, so they may themselves be subject to uh, laws, regulations, and and uh, you know mandatory retention laws and things like that in other countries. So. You've got to be aware uh, of where the VPN is operated and its regulatory space. Uh, For example, if you're just applying to a VPN and the servers are in the US, you'll probably find that they've got, I don't know if they're similar in the US, but uh, Australia seems to be a bit draconian with its its freedom of speech laws, but um, certainly you need to just be aware of where that VPN is operating and what what laws apply to it as well. you need to make sure they don't log, uh, but there's been heaps of cases of VPNs logging stuff um, when they say they don't. So uh, it, it can be really quite difficult to uh, choose a good VPN. Um, the, the other thing with VPN, which is a little bit, uh, people, people don't seem to realize this, is that most of the tracking online tends to happen through the tracking cookies and uh, as you use the web. So when you sign onto your VPN, you might get an IP address in, like in the US or in the Netherlands from Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Uh, But uh, obviously, if you then log into Facebook, uh, you then log into your provider's uh, email server uh, or something like that. If you've got a local provider, if you're using websites and services here in Australia and around the world, then uh, eBay, like uh, pretty much, you've built a a pretty accessible uh, profile of yourself um, as a user of that VPN service, and so they still know who you are. So the moment you log into Facebook on the VPN, if you then go and use Google, or if you then uh, log into eBay. Pretty much, uh, if the authorities wanted to uh, ask Google about you or Facebook about you, they could build um, a profile and even know that you were using a VPN. So, wow, okay. <laughs> it's, yeah, so the, the, v, the, the VPN is helpful if you don't trust your ISP, like, say, Telstra. Mm. So
1: I'm with uh, and TPG probably. and I I technically actually don't really trust them, so that's the reason why I got it as well, but I wanted a little bit more yeah. security on my end. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm. I mean, so it's like I say, it's pushing it's pushing that trust relationship away from the ISP onto the VPN provider. But you got to keep in mind that you're really not solving the big tra- uh, tracking and privacy. That's that's still going on, just as if you were connected from your ISP. So your Facebook's still profiling you. They're still sharing the data with Apple, Google, eBay. You know, the, the whole whole nine yards. So you've you've, you've still built up a, a, a tracking profile there. Um, you've really just made your VPN yeah, kind of like your ISP um with that said VPNs are very helpful when you uh want to do things online um where uh you want to keep it private but you're not logging into facebook and google in the same with the same browser session things like that so let's just say you wanted to uh, access a particular content uh it's cryptocurrency or something like that and you didn't want you know other people to know that you were doing that you could open a fresh you know browser session that, that wasn't uh, you know, with clean cookies, most of the browsers have like a privacy um, uh, mode or something. If mm. you're using that over a VPN, um, then Google and Facebook aren't, aren't necessarily involved in, in accessing the tracking cookies and things like that. So, um, yeah, look, it, it all depends on your activity online and, and how you do it. So,
1: yeah, okay. All right. Well, so what would be your... To,
2: to make it simple, what I would suggest... Is if you had a particular browser that you did stuff that you wanted to keep private on. Uh, so, like, yeah, have you heard of the Brave browser or the Oprah browser?
1: I have heard of the Brave one, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, Braves are they're all based they're all based on Google's open source browser, um, but they do have some privacy features. So, there's two that I use. I use the Oprah browser and I use Brave. Um, and so, I use say one browser for certain things and I use another browser for something else. So, if you were to get a VPN, for example. Um, you could uh, leave the VPN connected when you wanted your privacy and then you could use the Oprah browser that you don't log into Facebook on you don't use Google on that browser you, you, know, you, you just don't use the big tech platforms and that's going to probably keep your, um, your activity uh, quite private and that's where the VPN is going to work for you um, and then if you want to go back to just doing mainstream stuff you don't know, care about people uh, or what's going to happen you can turn off the VPN and then you can log into Facebook using your other browser
1: Mm, Okay, I just posted something in the chat now, uh, James. Now, gab.com or Gab Social and all that sort of stuff, the free speech platform, you know, social media platform, um, they've got their own version of a web browser called Dissenter. Have you heard of, have you come across this one? Have you seen what they're about? Yeah,
2: I haven't used it yet. Um, Looking at that, it looks like like it's based on um, uh, the Chrome open source browser. So I don't know about it, but I could be wrong. Uh, let me have a look here. I haven't used this
1: one yet. Have you used it? No, I was going to actually download it and start giving it a whirl um, within, the, well, probably not tonight, but soon enough, sometime this week, I was going to give it a crack. Because it does, it's, it's for Windows, Linux, and Mac OS. Obviously, so they the three big ones. Um, so, yeah, to me, it looks pretty good. know, yeah, they've, they've got DuckDuckGo as their built-in search engine, you know. Um, yeah. So yes. what,
2: what you got to realize is that... Um, <laughs> there pretty much is only one browser in the world now, and that's not entirely true. There's a few, there is a couple of others, but most people are using uh, the browsers based on Chromium, uh, which is a Google open source uh, product. It's basically mm-hmm. Chrome, but it's is that the core engine. And what's happened is uh, it's open source, so people can basically get in there and they can make their own uh, browser product, add features to it, uh, add privacy features and things like that. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's the technology, the core technology is coming out of, kind of you know, Google, but uh, people are you know, rebadging
1: it, is that right? So, okay, oh, interesting. Yeah. Good to know, at least, anyway. Uh, so, even things like Safari, you reckon is still built on that, that Chromium one? Uh,
2: no, no, I'm not sure about Safari, because I'm not a Mac user, but okay. um, yeah, I think that, that'd that be uh, their own product, I'd say. Yeah, it will be... Uh, I could be wrong, yeah. yeah. I mean, there is others, like Fire, uh, Firefox and things like that. Yeah,
1: Mozilla, sure I used to use that years ago, but yeah. I, uh, for some reason, got away from it, but... Um... Anyway, Uh, oh, I'm not sure what happened. He got cut off. Pete got cut off. Um, I'll just tell him to rejoin the conversation. Give me one second. Pete's just dropped out for some reason. Uh, I've just said to join again. Sorry, folks. I'll just try and get Pete back in the conversation here. Uh, Otherwise, I'll try and ring him from this one. Might be able to actually just add him. Sorry. Anyway, well, while he's trying to get back on, I was just about to throw to him too to see if he can join. Oh, there he is. He's just joined now.
2: Sorry, fellas. Not sure what happened
1: there. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. I was actually just about to... To uh, come to you too. I was going to say, did you want to throw any questions at James? You, you've obviously listened to the conversation was taking place, and you've heard that information and and James's take on it. Did you want um have anything you want to add or throw at him at all, Pete, for for this particular topic?
2: I I read it like a, it's it's um it's very interesting, but I'm not really, I'm not that well read at it. Um, to be honest, so I'm just taking it all on. I I don't have any questions in particular about it. it's just very interesting, and um, James is obviously very knowledgeable in this area. So. Oh. Uh, yeah, I haven't got a VPN. I know that I'm. I've definitely started to look at it. Like with everything that's happening um, in the world, you sort of you got to start to think. There's so much to think about, but these are definitely sort of one of the things that we um, that probably plays into what's going on in the larger agenda that we. Uh, need to sort of get more serious about so yeah i definitely gonna look into it
1: yeah oh, i just posted in the chat comments again now so this is the mob i signed up with but i mean take it or leave it it's there's a lot to, there's quite a few to choose from but for me it was <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm a bit of a cheapskate of course but i yeah um so their, their pricing was pretty good but they had servers in brisbane sydney victoria as well so i'm like oh well that's good um mm. and they seemed like they were pretty good with everything else like they they're legit they don't seem like a dodgy one to me i had, I had looked at some of their reviews online sort of stuff so anyway uh i just sort of throw that out there but i wanted to f- to um to actually ask james before we change topics um so what are your what would be your best suggestion i mean would you suggest maybe don't go with the big isps because it's easier find someone find a smaller you know, independent mob, I guess, that yeah. doesn't have a shitload of, you know, thousands yeah. and thousands of users and stuff. Like someone like, you, I mean, yourself, for example, can people come yeah. and join up with your ISP? Yeah. What's the go? I'm, I'm happy for you yeah. to give yourself well, a plug, mate.
2: Sure, sure. Look, we, we run an ISP for businesses, so it's um, not really uh, a residential service. I mean, it's the same same sort of thing, but obviously we're targeting um, small to medium enterprises. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got a business, by all means, uh, get in touch with me. I'll, I'll give my contact details and show show notes or something like that. But yep, yeah, sure. for residential users, that's not our our, our, our thing. Um, but yeah, look, in every state there are numerous smaller ISPs. Uh, in fact, you know, perhaps I can um, put together a list or something and. That would be good. Um, give, give it to you guys. Yeah, that'd be um, great. Actually, I haven't talked to any of them, but I can certainly pull a list of companies. What What I would suggest people do if they're really concerned about this sort of stuff is is ring those companies and maybe ask to speak to, um, you know, one of the techs. I mean, there's companies here in WA that, that that even though they're quite big, you can still speak to the manager, um, no problem. And um, you can just ask them straight out. Look, you know, these data retention laws. What What exactly are you keeping? Will my browser history be kept? Um, because they shouldn't be keeping it, they should only be keeping it for two years. They can keep it longer, but you can just pose that question to them. Look, are you only keeping my stuff for the two years? Can you guarantee me you're not keeping my browser history? And look, they're they're huge tick boxes uh, in terms of um, you know choosing an ISP. Mm. So. I, I would ask those questions um, and just and just give them a call. You're not going to get those sorts of answers off Telstra. You'll be in a call centre in the Philippines or something. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just I wouldn't. I wouldn't. That would just be punishment. But um, yeah, certainly the smaller ISPs. Uh, I'd have those conversations with them, and then you know where you stand there, and that might save you from from wasting your time with getting a VPN. Because if you know if you're not if you're not committing any crimes in the line or you just you know you don't care whether. You know, obviously Facebook knows what you do on social media and Google already knows that anyway. So um, if you're not too worried about your ISP, then you don't have to worry too much about VPNs. so yeah, I don't use a VPN if, if what I was doing was extremely extremely private and I wanted to make sure that you know my ISP just had no way of knowing what I was doing.
1: Yeah, okay, all right, <laughs> well, that's a good point. Yep. So yeah, so really, it's finding a small ISP that you know you can trust. Get on board with, uh, I guess, some of their managers or even their tech guys. Ask the hard questions and try and get the answers that you uh, that you desire. If you don't get them, I guess find another one and keep going and mm. uh, until you're you're kind of satisfied that you don't need that. To place that that trust in a VPN, you know, and you can safely, I guess, trust that ISP. So, uh, I guess it's kind of buy. Really comes down to buyer beware, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Like, we yeah, all I mean, have okay, this...
2: it's, it's all about product, isn't it? What, Correct. What gonna get. Um, yeah. and privacy is now something that people need to be thinking about when they're choosing providers. It's not enough to just go, oh, who's the cheapest?" Still. You know who's the who's the who's the fastest? It's just, it's just you've got to add that security and privacy into that. The other thing is that smaller providers are far less likely to be engaged in, in censorship. Um, I I've never seen censorship here in Australia, like blocking of websites. So I'm sure it's happened, but I haven't seen it. The closest I've seen is like after the New Zealand shootings. Um, yeah, yeah, Christchurch, they, they, <laughs> they were calling. I think the, the our prime minister was saying, you know, we needed to. Uh, block you know all these sites 4chan zero Zero hedge i don't even zero hedge had to do with it maybe they posted the news of the shooting on or something and had an alternative narrative but you know i'm sure that stuff's coming but um i think you'll find the smaller isps are far less likely to be um susceptible to i mean you'll find the big companies are willing to do it without actually being being commanded to do it right they a lot of them will just just do that as we've seen, like with. I mean, look
1: at Amazon and Parler recently, if you're following that narrative. You guys aware of that? Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, they, um, well, they took, they took Parler, Parler's servers with with Amazon, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, yeah, they obviously then went, well, you know, you're pro-Trump, so we're going to take you down. <laughs> and they got rid of their all their servers, yeah. So they are on their own now and trying to build their own from scratch again, pretty much, with someone else. Yeah, which, which is
2: a which is a shocking. I think that's sort of shocking because it's a money nice structure. Um, you're using your platform, your tech platform, as a way to, uh, to determine people's beliefs. Like literally, you're saying you believe this, or you can't use you know my equipment. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's, it's it's a different world than we were in say ten years ago. So. Yeah.
1: Now, what book does that remind you of? Written by George Orwell. <laughs> four numbers, <laughs> yeah. Nineteen eighty four, much far out, man. That's Big Brother, big time, yeah. eh? Uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's um, let's shift gears a little bit now. We might come when we if we come full circle. I'll, I'll hit up some of that other interesting stuff with regards to internet spying a little bit further down the track. Let's change gears a little bit now. This will be a bit more up Pete's uh, alley as well. Um, now we've had. Uh, Queensland, Brisbane, in the greater Brisbane area, not too long ago had our, you know, ridiculous hyped up scare. Someone in a hotel quarantine, one of the guards it's always these guards, these nameless cleaners or the nameless guards in these hotel quarantines that no one can ever find or get an interview with or knows the names of that somehow they they tested positive. And, um, you know, all hell breaks loose. We need to lock down, you know, um, two million people because of that Um and the same thing has basically just happened. It's now Western Australia's turn and Perth is the epicenter, of course, with the exact same farcical storyline. Hey, man, guys, if you, you are enjoying the podcast and you like what you hear and you want to hear more, right now, head over to our, so our Patreon uh, page and sign up over there. It costs you, The minimum is about five bucks five, a month. Same um, shit you can hear. come and visit us over at patreon.com forward slash real news Australia and join up like i said and you'll get access to all of our bonus content shows uh there's at least 10 on there now you can go and listen to including episodes about port arthur massacre uh we speak to a nutritionist talking about uh the best things for your health and uh she talks about the pcr test and all that sort of stuff as well it's really good really good content over there guys um we also talked to uh physicist wall thornhill about the electric universe there's awesome stuff over there so please do head over to our patreon Uh, support what we do because that's we are relying on you to keep this operation going Um, that's basically what helps fund everything that we do so if you uh, enjoying the free to air podcast that everyone can access to and you want to uh, help us out a little bit more and also for your troubles you'll receive all these extra bonus content shows just for you guys for helping out please again do send a minimum five bucks on patreon over there and um, enjoy the rest of that content guys really do appreciate it thanks